get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, welcome everybody. TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network as the Stanley Cup playoffs round one roll along. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can subscribe and rate us on iTunes if you miss any of the show or past episodes. Also on the TSN 1050.ca show page. Great show for you today. Travis Yost from TSN.ca will be up in a moment. Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald Bruins reporter. Get a feel on the Leafs Bruins series. Game 2 goes tonight from Boston. Then Scott Cullen from TSN.ca with Heroes and Zeros. We'll go over some season awards as well. And then for some fantasy hockey talk. If you're in your fantasy playoff pool, you're playing DraftKings, you need some tips, you're not sure, the series aren't going as you expected, got you covered. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com will be by in just a uh, a little bit. Uh, Now on the line. It is Travis Yost from TSN.ca. And Travis, I understand last week you had your second marathon in like a month. What are you training for? Is this a co- covert operation or something? What, what, what's the deal here? First off, that's a lie. It was the first, not the second in a month. That, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> it was like the second in three months. Or something. Oh, right. But it's, it's becoming a, a tradition like any other. It's like the Masters. A- actually, the real tradition, unlike any other, is the NHL scheduling two games at the same exact start time on a weekend? That is the true tradition, like any other. Yeah, yes, just complete, uh, just not taking into account any fan consideration or nothing like that. So, uh, Travis, so, so I don't, I just don't, I just don't understand if it's an NBC thing or an NHL thing. It's neither here nor there today. But why can't the Predators game start a half hour later, exactly. a half hour earlier? I, I guess why? that there might be some local ratings thing, but I, I just don't understand that. No, it's very strange. Totally agree with you. Uh, well, great to have you back, bud. And uh, listen, let's start with the Leafs. And didn't start how, how the, the, the Maple Leaf fans and everybody wanted to in Boston. And then you have the three-game suspension to Nazem Kadri. We know the Leafs were an underdog already against that full Bruins lineup. But without Kadri for three games, what do you think it will now take for Toronto to advance to the second round? And how big of a loss is Nazem Kadri? It's a huge loss. Nelson Cox is a fantastic player, and he's one of the reasons why Toronto did have some sort of edge in the series, at least as it pertains to depth. Like, the whole thing was, hey, we know Patrice Bergeron's line is going to kill us, but our second, third, and fourth lines can actually clean up a little bit back, and maybe we've got a shot. Hey, Kadri's integral to that. I mean, he, he's a productive second-line scorer and has been for years now. I will say this. I am pleased that the NHL laid down the law. That was a garbage hit. Yeah, And the Dowdy hit was a garbage hit. And the league took care of both. And I still think they're dealing with some arbitrary-ishness, whatever you want to call it. But the reality is they, they have to start throwing the book at some of these headshots. So I'm encouraged by that. But as it pertains to the Toronto-Boston series, it puts them in a bind because the, the biggest takeaway for me from game one, it, Boston's not playing around. They are going to hard match every single time against the Austin Matthews line. And they threw Patrice Bergeron at that group over and over and over again. I believe Bergeron and Chara both played about 60 to 70% of their minutes against that, that trio, which means they are effectively going to take that group out. And now Toronto's depth has to win it, and they're one player shorter. Wow. And it, Yeah, and if they thought it was tough without Kadri, now you mix 
the lines all up and everything, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they respond later tonight. But let's let's go to the Flyers Penguins. This is just seems like feast or famine for either team here, Travis. You got the Flyers responding in a big way. They put the boots to the Penguins five one. How shocked were you that a the Flyers went back to Brian Elliott in net, and b it actually worked and they evened out the series. I was surprised with the Brian Elliott move. I thought they would panic. Um, not not because I didn't think. I don't think the Flyers coaching staff is, you know, want to panic. I don't think they're a bad coaching staff. I thought that the reputation surrounding Brian Elliott on top of the game one flame out would have been a reason to move him maybe more than any other goalie out of that out of that starting lineup. They stuck with him. Full credit to them. I think he had 34 saves on 35 shots. The, the, the big takeaway, though, there for that game was Philadelphia got out early and kind of just sat on the lead, which is all fine and well, but and it worked in game two. But you cannot do that against Pittsburgh. They are too good. You can't, we, we've watched time and time again teams try and sit on leads against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They just have too much offense. And in the seven-game series, they are going to even that score up and take the lead more times than not. So, you know, full marks to Philadelphia. I mean, they got, they got the scoring. A, a ghost bear scores the opener, right? And, and, and they just keep rolling along at five goals on the night. But the, the issue that I see for this team is if you look at the statue at the end of the game, I think the Flyers had 20 shots, five goals on 20 shots, which mm. fantastic shooting. But you're you're either betting on Matt Murray to flame out the entire rest of the series, or you're going to be in a defensive shell for the next five games if it even gets to seven. So a lot of work still to be done. I think Philadelphia even said as much. I don't think they were that happy with the performance, even though they got the win. Um, but I, I am curious to see if they can actually flip the script a little bit here and start taking the play to Pittsburgh with home ice in Game Three. In conversation with Travis Yost uh, from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost, as he joins us on the Domino's delivery line. Folks, you can get a medium feast pizza for ten ninety nine. That's it. Go to Domino's.ca, get some pizza, get some side dishes, get some marble cookie brownie for the big games tonight and this weekend. Domino's.ca for carryout and delivery. All right, Travis, uh, it's tough to see anyone in the Western Conference playing better than the Winnipeg Jets right now. They're up 2 nothing on the series with the Wild. Star players are playing like stars. When you look around the NHL first-round matchups, would you consider Winnipeg beating Minnesota the surest lock right now? I, I mean, they are up 2-0, and Nashville's only up 1-0, so you're, you're kind of forcing <laughs> me into a yes answer here. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think it's, a, I, I guess, more to answer your question, I think it's a two-horse race there. I, I think Winnipeg's going to win that series pretty comfortably. Obviously, they're already up 2-0, and I think Nashville's still going to take care of business as well. So I would put those one two. Um, I, I gotta say, I, I think Vegas might be three in that in that three team race. I think Winnipeg and Nashville I'm most confident in. But I, L.A. last night, I, I don't know how they scored 16 goals this regular season. They, I, I know they scored 100 some on 180 something around there, but they have absolutely no offense. I don't know what how they generate offense in this series. So I, to be perfectly honest, unless Anaheim turns it around in the San Jose series and levels up 2-2 or 1-1 here, and at least plays better, I think you could have some quicker series in the West. And maybe, surprisingly, we get some of the longer series out East, which mm. I would have bet the opposite, actually, going into the, the first round. Yeah, I'm with you. And, Travis, the Vegas Golden Knights, like, we keep waiting for the clock to hit midnight, right, on this Cinderella story. And we thought, okay, hey, they struggled a little bit near the end of the year, coming back to playoff. For sure, the playoffs, they have to be going down. What do you make out of their first series so far being up 2 nothing on the Kings? I, I don't know. I, this is, Knights fans might kill me here, but I don't know how much this is about Vegas. Like I, 
I'm watching Vegas, and they clearly are the better team in this LA series. Sure. I mean, that that is patently clear. I the the issue to me is, and I don't know how you feel about this, but after watching 16 teams at least once in the playoffs, I genuinely feel like LA is the worst of the 16 teams. Mm. I, they they are they are a shell of what they used to be, and. Last night was a perfect example. At their worst, LA a few years ago, they could never score. But at least they played every shift in the offensive zone, and they grind out these two-one wins almost every night. They were, I think, Jonathan Quick had. I don't fact check me, but I think he had 600 saves last night, and I think Mark Andre Fleury had 30, and that's a legitimate number. I think he had 30, maybe 32 in about 95 minutes of play, which is ridiculous. I mean, most most goaltenders see more than that in a 60-minute regulation game. Uh, L.A. has no offense whatsoever. Now, you have to give some credit to Vegas for bottling up, their, especially their top line. Like, Anze Kopitar did score 35 goals this year. I think Dustin Brown had uh, in the 20s, Tyler Foley had in the 20s. And so they, they do have a little bit of scoring, but the, the issue for L.A. is if their first line doesn't score, they have nothing. I mean, right. they're, they're not scoring in a game. And uh, the one thing that Vegas can do is they do have a top line that can match up against most lines in the league, including now an Anze Kopitar line and, you know, Andre Kopitar had such an unbelievable season. I think there was actual buzz about him, not, maybe not being a hard trophy winner, but maybe a potential outside shot at a, at a finalist position. He had a fantastic year, and they, they've completely eliminated him from the series in two games. So I, 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 that's why I kind of lean, you know, Nashville and Winnipeg are by far the two most impressive teams so far, but I think Vegas is going to take care of business too. And last one for you here, Travis. Do you think it's fair to say that game two this afternoon are must wins for both Colorado? And the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, uh, I, I just—I mean, you're you're heading into a seven-game series. You're probably a four-to-one to five-to-one dog. I think most right. sportsbooks had Nashville like minus six hundred or something ridiculous, which means you got to <laughs> lay six hundred to win a hundred. So they were already a monster favorite heading into the series, and now you put two games, you know, in the bag to a team like Nashville or Tampa Bay. I mean, you're not coming back from that. Yeah, I, I will say I'm a little more intrigued. I just I think Colorado got injured at the, at the at a poor time. Like I don't think they win that series regardless, but they could have made it interesting. I am curious to see New Jersey though. They they do. I mean Taylor Hall and it had a fantastic game one. I, I think and and Tampa Bay is not playing. They're still one of the three or four best teams in the league, but they are not playing their best hockey right now. I, I would not be surprised if New Jersey stole a game or two again. I, I anticipate Tampa Bay winning that series, but we talk about series that might creep a little longer. I don't know. I, th- I think the Devils can give them some issues. All right, Travis. Great, great stuff as always, man. Let's do it again next week. All right, take care, Andy. All right, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Follow him on Twitter at Travis Yost. Next, we head out to Boston. Boston Herald Bruins reporter Steve Conroy joins me next right here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Proof looking on the near side for McAvoy. The pass goes down low into the corner. They score! Off the skate in. David Krejci makes it 5-1 Boston, and it's a laugher here in Beantown. And game two between Leafs Bruins goes Saturday night. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara, and you can get us on iTunes, the TSN1050.ca show page, iHeartRadio app, 
Of course, on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. We post all the show links there as well. Joining me now on the Domino's delivery line. And guys, tonight, you know what? Perfect time. Go to dominoes.ca, get a medium feast pizza for $10.99. That's it, or a large four topping for $11.99. Side dishes, desserts, everything you need for delivery or carry out at dominoes.ca. On the Domino's delivery line from the Boston Herald Bruins reporter, Steve Conroy. Steve, how's it going? I'm doing well, Andy. How you doing? Doing well, man. And hey, listen, let's start with your take on the suspension to, to Nazem Kadri. So do you think three games was the proper amount of punishment for his hit on Tommy Wingles? Uh, I, w- I was thinking, using uh, the Doughty hit, which I thought was a hockey play, a high right. hit, and, you know, but using that as the standard, I think it had to be uh, at least two. Three seems, you know, a, a pretty harsh penalty. Um, but uh, but I, I was expecting multiple games. And how is he perceived in Boston right now for coming into tonight? Is he public enemy number one? Are, are fans kind of up in arms against Kadri? Or uh, well, if he, uh, I would imagine if he got away with it, he'd have been public enemy number one. But he didn't get away with it, and we're not going to see him tonight. So uh, you know, <laughs> if this comes back around here for for game five, which I fully fully expect it, it, it to to happen, yeah, I think. I think he'll hear it. Now, the Leafs handled playing without Austin Matthews quite well through multiple stretches during the regular season, but losing a key piece to your lineup just feels different in the playoffs, no matter who it is. How do you handicap Toronto's chances now to hold up against Boston now that they don't have Nazem Kadri? Well, it's obviously a, 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 a big piece, and I think it hurts um, Toronto even more when the, the series shifts to to Toronto, and you know Babcock could have had the you know the, the matchups that he wanted, and and Kadri has you know played well against the Bergeron line when he's been able to, um, so that hurts that hurts a lot, um, but you know as we've seen especially with good hockey teams when they lose a key piece they somehow are able to suck it up and be a, actually a little bit better for the short term, so we'll see if. If, you know, some guys can elevate their games. I would assume that they want to see a little more out of Austin Matthews and a little more out of a few other guys. In conversation with Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald Bruins reporter on Twitter, at Conroy Herald, joining us on the dominoes.ca delivery line. So going back to the first question for a moment, uh, what do people in Boston think when Brad Marchand gets up to some unusual antics? We saw him uh, kissing the neck of, of Leo Komarov in Game 1. A little, a little odd, but I'm sure Marchand is, is loved in Boston because he's a great player. But what about when he gets a, a little quirky with his antics? Uh, well, in, uh, I'll tell you, Bruce Cassidy said said it yesterday. They would much prefer him do that than to uh, take a you know take a stick and, and lift it into right. the, uh, the the midsection of a player and, and find himself suspended. Um, and he knows he knows that he's walking a fine line. And I don't I don't think he uh, that the NHL is going to suspend him for what, what he did the other <laughs> night. So you know. It's, if it makes Komarov a little uncomfortable, you know, that's on him. Then it works. And that's the yeah. thing, too, right? Like, he's an agitator. You have to find different ways. And as you said, it's better than tripping a guy, taking a dumb penalty, gutting him with the stick, whatever. If you, you do something just to get a little bit unorthodox yeah. in the mind of the opposition, that can't hurt. 
that's right. But the series is young. He could still do those other things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you never know. If he sticks to, to kissing, then he might be fine. So, uh, yeah. anyway, Steve, is there uh, anything, uh, any sort of adjustments that you think the Bruins need to make from their performance in Game 1? Obviously pretty dominant in, in the 5-1 victory, but uh, much of the, the chatter in Toronto has been about how poorly the Leafs played, but did Boston play at their best Thursday? Uh, well, I think they got a little lucky on a... On a you know, a couple of their, their penalty kills, uh, they they killed pretty well. But you know, they, I mean, Mitch Marner missed the wide open net, but at least hit a couple of posts. So they can't be fooled into thinking that they were dominant, as dominant as, as the score suggested, because they weren't. Uh, you know, once it, I mean, that that three to one goal that Pasternak scored kind of changed the game entirely, and that was with 38 seconds left in the second period. So it, it was very competitive. Uh, and, you know, they were, they were hanging on for a little bit second period when, when the Bruins took a couple penalties. Um, so he, he, they don't need to change a whole lot. They just got to realize it wasn't easy on, on uh, Thursday right. night. They may have some, uh, you know, a, a change in their, their lineup. Wingle skated today, um, and he's a question mark for tonight. If he doesn't play, I think they'll move Heinen to the fourth line in Wingle's spot and insert Ryan Donato into uh, the spot that Ron, that uh, Heinen was playing playing in. So that's a, that's a, that would be a pretty uh, a little bit of a change there. You know, right. Donato's an interesting player. Uh, had had a lot of success in in a very short time here, and there were a lot of people who were upset that uh, that he wasn't in the game game one lineup. So if he gets in, that'll be something to watch. Yeah, so he might get his shot. Uh, in conversation with Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald covers the Bruins on Twitter at Conroy Herald on the Domino's delivery line here with TSN Hockey Analytics. All right, Steve, well, what has this year been like for Zdeno Chara? 41 years old, still logging significant minutes on the blue line. In Game 1, Toronto's first line of Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Zach Hyman spent 60% of their shifts matched up against Chara. So he's playing plenty of minutes and lots of important minutes. How is he getting it done this late in his career? Well, well, I think as you know, he's he is a you know a, you know a fitness yeah you know he's a freak enthusiast, not what however you want to call it, you know he's not the <laughs> he's not the old style you know beer drinking hockey player you know <laughs> he's, he's 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 a new age guy so he's he's kept himself very fit. Uh, they've also you, you know they, they they've cut back his minutes. It's been going on for the past five years or so where they've. Slowly, you know, uh, you know, cut back on his minutes a little bit. He doesn't really play on the power play anymore, so he's not going to be out there. Uh, he does play a lot on the on the penalty kill. Sometimes he's out there for the entire two minutes, which is impressive. Um, but he's, I mean, his minutes are not that bad. You know, they're they're you know in the twenty to twenty two minute range usually, and you know he's he's been able to handle it, and it's been uh, quite amazing to be honest with you. Last one for you here, Steve. Uh, how have the Bruins been able to? retool rather quickly. When they won the Cup back in 2011, they could fit into the category of the, the, the big bad Bruins, but now they're offensively talented, they're young, they're, they're Cup contending. And How did they, they do what it feels like a, a, a relatively short amount of time, kind of shift, and then get really back into the, the Cup conversation? Well, a, a big reason why is, is in the, um, 
the 2014 draft, they almost batted a thousand. Hmm. Uh, you know, right. they got the David Pasternak. They've got they got Donato in the second round. Uh, they got Danton Heinen. Um, uh, they got Anders Bjork, who is uh, currently hurt. He's out for the season uh, with the shoulder injury, but uh, he's going to be an NHL player. Uh, and you know, if if Emil Johansson never makes it to the NHL, they will have batted a thousand. I mean, all those guys are players for them. That really happened. That that's been a big. Uh, big boom for them, and they, you know, they they were able to to get some things. That, you know, they you know they had to trade uh, Milan Lucic and um, uh, uh, Dougie Hamilton, mm. uh, and some of those picks have, have paid off. Uh, they got uh, Jake DeBrusque, uh in that 2015 draft. They, uh, they got Brandon Carlo in that 2015 draft. Uh, he's out for the series, out for the rest of the year with a broken broken ankle, but he's been a big piece of this team. Um, uh, they got Sean Corrali in the um, uh, in a roundabout way for Milan Lucic. He went. He, um, he came from San Jose when um, the Bruins traded Martin Jones to to San Jose from LA in the in the Lucic deal. So the, you know those two years they they you know did a bang up job and, and, and you know filling up the, the shelves in the cupboard. Yeah, hey, build through the draft and then add free agency where it makes sense. So, uh, mm-hmm. Steve, really appreciate your time tonight. Enjoy the rest of the series. All right, thanks for having me, Andy. All right, Steve Conroy from the Boston Herald covers the Bruins there, and you can get him on Twitter at Conroy Herald. We will take the break and come back with Heroes in Zeros. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca when TSN Hockey Analytics returns. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Here's James Neal on right wing to the Kings line. Moves to his left, feeds it right circle, moving in. Howla scores. Eric Howla wins it in double overtime. He was set up by James Neal. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network as round one of the Stanley Cup playoff rolls on. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. And folks, want to give a shout out to our buddies at StatsTrack. Friend of show, Drake Barahowski, former Maple Leafs first round pick, now head coach and GM of the Leafs ECHL affiliate, the Orlando Solar Bears. They have an online hockey analytics course. So you can prepare for a career actually in hockey analytics, so you can learn how to convert data to meaningful insight for teams and players, hands-on case study format, volunteer placement opportunities for graduates. So if you want to check that out, you can follow them on Twitter. They have the links there, at StatsTrack, Facebook, Instagram as well. You can email them, info at StatsTrack.ca or the website StatsTrack.ca. So check it out. Uh, again, for a career in hockey analytics, really cool stuff from our buddy Drake Barahowski there at StatsTrack. And hey, if you ever wanted to to see if it was, if it was for you, what it takes you an online course, online class registration now, statstrack.ca slash course. Let's head to the Domino's delivery line right now with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca. Scotty, how's it going? Good. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, man. And you know what? I'm sure you're like me, and you're going to watch the games tonight, and, and you know what? Some Domino's pizza would hit the spot. <laughs> A medium feast pizza, buddy. Ten ninety nine. How about that? Sounds good to me. Sounds good. You know what? This also sounds good. Let's go. It's time for the best, best. and worst NHL This Week, Hockey Analytics, Heroes and Zeros, with Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. All right, Patrice Bergeron starts us off for the Heroes, and no surprise there, Scotty, what a game one he had. 
Yeah, we're dealing with small samples here in the in the first week of the playoffs. Right. But uh, but Bergeron's game one against Toronto was uh, a sight to behold. Uh, had better than 82% Corsi, and I think this is uh, a real issue for Toronto. Is I mean, look, they knew coming into the series that um, the big challenge is trying to keep the Bergeron line in check. It's probably the best line in hockey. Uh, and the, the Leafs, I think if they had any hope, it would be that Austin Matthews and, and his line could kind of fight Bergeron's line to a draw, and then maybe you win out uh, in the other in the other lines. Well, they, they didn't fight to a draw, and that's sort of the problem, is that if Bergeron is destroying Matthews, um, it's really hard to see how Toronto comes out uh, on the right end of this. Now, your other hero, we go to Winnipeg, Joe Morrow. That's right. A uh, guy that uh, has bounced around the league quite a bit, uh, but you know his first two games in this series have been really good. He's over 75% course. He scored the winning goal in Game 1. And look, it's very... Uh, reasonable to question whether he should be playing in the top four for a Stanley Cup contender. Um, but so far, he's played well in the first couple games against Minnesota. and Kind of full credit to him for doing that. So those are the heroes. Who's the zeros to start off uh, week one of the playoffs? Well, Morgan Riley had a game for the ages oh, in game boy. one. Yeah. I mean, for, uh, this is, these are horrendous numbers for any player, let alone the guy who's supposed to be your number one defenseman. Mm. He, he got uh, out-coursied 29-3. Uh, against cool. Boston, like that is, you know, extremely rare to 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 end up with results that lopsided, uh, particularly on the losing team. Usually, what happens is when you're on the on the, on the losing side, you start generating more shots. But uh, that just never happened with Riley in Game One. It was uh, it was a disaster all the way around, and he'll have to obviously be much better uh, moving forward. Yeah, we'll have to see if he can bounce back uh, this evening in Boston. In your final zero, Jared Spurgeon. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm noticing a trend here, Andy, is that as I go looking for uh, guys who are kind of struggling, uh, it turns out a lot of the time we're getting guys who are coming back from injury, which makes me think that uh, may, maybe guys are rushing back and they're and they're not quite ready to, to go at full speed because Spurgeon uh, missed about the last month of the regular season, uh, but with Ryan Suter out, um, you know, Minnesota is fairly desperate to get him back in the lineup uh, on a really thin defense. Uh, you know, he, he was playing with uh, rookie Carson Soucy, uh, and look through the first two games uh, at Winnipeg. He's been on for no goals for, four goals against, and has a Corsi under thirty percent. Like this, um, you know, Spurgeon, you know, usually is one of these guys that I tout as you know really underrated. Puts up great numbers. Uh, right now, the, the numbers aren't there, and that's that's going to be a huge problem for Minnesota because they need him to be great. That was Heroes and Zeros with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca. You can check out all his great work on tsn.ca, and he tweets out the links at TSN Scott Cullen. He joins us on the Domino's delivery line. Okay, Scotty, let's go to uh, one of your other articles, of course. Statistically speaking, you have Flyers bounce back in Game 2. We chatted about this a little bit with Travis Yost earlier. Man, what a, you had the beatdown by Pittsburgh, and then for the Flyers to come right back. Where do you put this series in, in your mind? Because it seems that we have two extremes here. Yeah, well, when when I wrote my kind of projection for the series, I said there could be some chaos. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think what happens is, is that neither team can really trust their goaltending. You know, the the fact that Matt Murray posted a shutout in the first game was kind of in, encouraging. Um, you know, people were, oh, it's playoff Matt Murray. He's back to playing the way he has in the past couple of years. But uh, his his regular season this year was not good. And, and so I think it's hard, hard for the Penguins to to just 
expect that they can ride on and Matt Murray's going to give them great goaltending uh, game after game. And, um, and certainly in the case of the Flyers, I mean, this is <laughs> this has been going on for a generation that they haven't mm-hmm. been able to trust their goaltending. Um, you know, and so Brian Elliott struggles in game one, uh, but comes out and play, plays really well in game two. But I think, you know, we're, we're sort of, you know, there's still five games to go in this series and we could have, you know, we could still have some games where, where both of these goalies go in the tank at the same time. Um you know, and you could end up with a seven-six game or something. Like that. I, I don't think that's out of the question, uh, given the way uh, you know the way these two teams play. I think, you know, the the skaters on Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are, are solid, but I, I think neither team can really trust what they have between the pipes. And let's go in the statistically speaking article in the Heroes column. You also have Patrick Line, and and this is a, a comparison where Austin Matthews was shut down in Game One. You have Line who through two games is boy, he's he's looking good. The moment's not too big for him, at least not yet. No, he's uh, he's not shying away from it. That's for sure. No, uh, you know, and he's he's got the the cocky celebrations and, and <laughs> now now you know all that aside, which I mean that's all fun stuff, but. Through two games, he also has ten shots on goal. And one of the things about Line a is that he hasn't been a real volume shooter, right? Like when we talk about a great goal scorer like Alexander Ovechkin, it's Ovechkin's generating four and five shots a game, and and you know eventually the puck starts to go in when you when you take that many shots. Well, Line a has typically not been that guy. He's kind of ranging around two and a half to three shots per game uh, in his first couple of seasons. So, you know, if if he gets it up to the point where he he's taking five shots on goal per game, I mean, the the numbers could get could get silly because he's he's established that he's a, a rare finishing talent. Uh, and, you know, this is all, all more good news for uh, Minnesota because, uh, you know, as if they don't have it hard enough. But if Line starts getting more shots on goal against them, it, it's probably not going to turn out well. No, and a little more under the radar, Tyler Myers. And you mentioned in the article just two assists yeah. in his previous 19 games, but he's not just uh, being solid on the blue line, but actually producing too. Yeah, well, he had a good night last night. And, look, I think... Uh, he's had a nice uh, kind of career rebound in, in Winnipeg. The way things were going in Buffalo at the end, you know, I think a lot of people and in, in, even people in the, in the stats community were ready to write off Tyler Myers as own. Well. You know, because you know when, when you're playing for a historically terrible team and in your course he's hovering around forty percent, um, you know, you end up taking a lot of the blame. Uh, but you know, you move Myers into a better situation where he is in Winnipeg, and um, you know that basically that slumped late in the season. Uh, Kind of helps hide the fact that he was he was pretty good this year, and, and so uh, I think that's um, you know that that this is one of the reasons that Winnipeg has a real chance is that their the right side of their blue line is uh, probably as strong as anybody when you're running Truba, Bufflin, and, and Tyler Myers. So um, yeah, the, the the Jets are looking pretty good through too. And I wanted to get your thoughts, of course, on the Vegas Golden Knights. And Scotty, it just yeah. seems, I talked about Travis, too. It's like, we just see, we just keep waiting for things to go wrong. And I don't think it's so much that we expected a lot out of the LA Kings in this series, but just with them being an expansion team and they're, they're kind of hodgepodge group. You have a guy like Eric Holla come out, double OT win. Like, it just seems some way, somehow, they keep getting it done and they're up 2 nothing in that series. Yep. And, and, Look, the Kings, uh, certainly for game two, uh, you know, that's a depleted blue line. Uh, that's one of the areas where I've kind of thought coming into the series that was Vegas's chance to, to take advantage. You know, that even if when the Kings do have Drew Doughty, uh, you know, with no Jake Muzzin, no Derek Forbert, um, you know, those are a couple of guys who play big minutes uh, on the L.A. blue line. And so there's an opportunity for, for Vegas, um, you know, to take advantage. They've got good depth up front and, you know, maybe you can create some scoring chances and, 
and at least stay competitive in the series that way. Well, you know, now they've they've won the first two games, and, and obviously in that second game, you know, no doubt you know Muzzin, no Forbert. I mean, the, the ice was completely lopsided. Like Vegas dominated that game. Um, so you know they're not they're not going to have the luxury of having no Doughty to go against uh, for the rest of the series. But I, I think at this point they've they have to kind of feel comfortable with the fact that they they can go toe to toe with these Kings. The, 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 these, this Kings roster is fairly mediocre, uh, except for the fact that they have Doughty and Andre Kopitar, who are really great. Um, and you know, I think Vegas has sort of found that you know they, they can withstand uh, you know those couple great players and, and stay competitive in the series. Like I, I picked them to win in seven, um, but basically it's because I, like I don't think we should be writing them off um, just because they kind of. You know, stumbled down the stretch. They're a fairly mediocre team in the last six weeks or so. Right. But you know, it was such a great season that I, that I don't think you can, you know, look at look at their late season performance and decide that that's what they were this year as opposed to the the whole year. Yeah, it, it just still it, it's just hard to keep thinking them as an expansion team, right? Like yeah. it's, but good it's for remarkable. them. Remarkable, it, it remarkable. is. It's it's quite a story. So uh, we'll watch it tonight and uh, catch up with you again next week, Scotty. Thanks so much. Thank you, Andy. All right, Scott Cullen from tsn.ca on Twitter. A must-follow at TSN Scott Cullen, and you can find all his work on tsn.ca Monday to Friday in Statistically Speaking. A lot of hockey, but also some baseball, too. So everything you need, Scott Cullen has you covered. We'll take the break, and we'll finish off with some fantasy hockey talk. So if you're in your pool, you're playing DraftKings, you're playing in the office, you have your fantasy hockey pool for the playoffs, I gotcha. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com joins me next to help us all out with some fantasy tips. That comes up to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Follow, subscribe on iTunes, the TSN 1050.ca show page, all that good stuff. And we're going to finish off with some fantasy hockey talk for the playoffs here. So round one, of course, underway. There's lots of playoff pools going on. Of course, you can play in DraftKings as well. A lot of fun there. We welcome in our NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com, James Harding. James, how's it going, bud? Well, Andy, you know, I thought the last appearance on the show was going to be my final one, so I was <laughs> going to be thinking I was going to be on the golf course by now, but you... you have the power of persuasion and you drag me back into this so i'm happy to be here that's right and, and now next week i understand you're going to be uh at a wedding you're in, in west palm beach so you're going to be scouting out future studio locations for us next year right absolutely yes, yes. we we are going to be taking a look at that uh, that promise we made to each other to do the show <laughs> next year from florida so i have a, I'm, I'm actually the wedding i'm going to is for a real estate agent so it's kind of like just lining up perfectly for us yeah. <laughs> So Excellent. I think we're going to be able to find a spot. I like it. It's a business trip. You can write it off. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, James, let's get to our stock up, stock down for this week, entering the first weekend of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So give me your two stock up for the fantasy world. Yeah, so my, my two stock ups for the fantasy world this weekend, uh, heading out to Columbus and their matchup against the Washington Capitals. Thomas Vanek, uh, game one in their 4-3 win against Washington, had a power play goal and an assist. 
four shots on goal. He's been skating since he came over from the Vancouver Canucks at the trade deadline with Alexander Wenberg and Boone Jenner on their second line. 15 points and 47 shots on goal uh, since the trade from uh, Vancouver at the deadline. So he has been a very, very productive player for them. Uh, he's picked it up in the last couple of weeks of the season especially and then had that breakout game against the Capitals in game one right there. So uh, I really like Vanek. He's a he's a solid value in DraftKings, and he's really clicking with, with Wenberg and Jenner there on that second line. And, of course, we know the potent first line that Columbus has with Panarin, Atkinson, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. So uh, a really solid top six to look at there from Columbus going forward. But uh, but I like Vanek in that matchup. And then my second stock up for the weekend, David Krejci hmm. uh, from the Bruins. When you look at him the other day in game one against Toronto, uh, one goal, one assist, uh, dating back to the regular season, gives him points in four straight games, and he's now back on the second line with Rick Nash and Jake DeBrusque now that the uh, Bruins are fully healthy and rounding out uh, their lineup for the playoffs. So uh, having Nash back in the lineup gets him that power forward, kind of front of the net presence that he had been missing the last month or so since Nash was dealing with that uh, injury issue. And so having Nash back kind of frees Krejci up, not just to be in front of the net, but to also shoot. And he's a very, very underrated shooter. So I like Vanek and Krejci there. All right. So those are the stock up. Who are we avoiding uh, this first weekend in fantasy? Yeah, and uh, looking at a couple of goaltenders here actually took the losses in their Game 1 matchups. Uh, Philip Grubauer from the Capitals, you know, he had been a real lightning rod for them when Braden Holpe was struggling down the stretch of the season, but he allows four goals against in their 4-3 loss to Columbus in Game 1. It's his fourth game in their last seven, dating back to the regular season now, allowing at least four goals. And it's his fifth game in his last eight, allowing at least three goals against. So I'm not sure about Grubauer starting. It's possible that the Capitals could look to go back to Braden Holpe to see if he could catch some form and some fire and kind of turn that series around. Um, if they, if they go down two games to none, I could definitely see Holpe uh, getting a look if Grubauer starts game two. So the uncertainty of who's going to start and his recent form heading into the playoffs makes me question Grubauer. And then the same thing with Colorado. Uh, Jonathan Bernier started game one, allowed four goals against the Predators the other day. It's possible that, you know, if they – uh, have the ability to put Varlamov in to start game two. So there's there's a lot of question marks in goal for both of those teams right now, but I'm just not sold on either one of Grubauer or Bernier in their matchups. Okay, so think long and hard before inserting one of those two goaltenders into your DraftKings fantasy lineup. So that was stock up, stock down. Now, James, of course, you know, we're on TSN 1050 in Toronto. Maple Leafs game one, it didn't go so well. 5-1 five, five, loss. You had Zach Hyman score the only goal. And then four unanswered by Boston, and the wheels fell off. But who's a Maple Leaf player fantasy-wise we're looking at game two from Boston? Who's, some, who, who's a Maple Leaf you think might be, be a value guy or someone you want to pop in? Yeah, and actually that would be Zach Hyman. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when, when you look at his placement in the lineup, 
Uh, like you said, he scored the only goal for the Leafs the other day. He's skating on their first line with Austin Matthews and William Nylander, so he has elite-level exposure to top-level players. Uh, he had a career high this year in, in points, despite Matthews missing as much time as he had. So we've seen the production pick up with Hyman. He has points dating back to the regular season now in three of his past five games. Um, and, and you saw the kind of tear that Matthews finished the season on. He has really clicked with both Hyman and Nylander. So I would expect that trio to kind of find something going forward, if not uh, tonight against Boston once they get back to home ice. But where his salary is and the exposure that he gets to the elite-level playmakers around him, I definitely like Hyman as a value pick this weekend. All right, folks, put a star beside Zach Hyman for your DraftKings lineup. Now, James, and by the way, we're in conversation with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com, our fantasy hockey expert here on the Domino's delivery line. And, folks, hey, you can get two medium pizzas for just seven ninety nine, two topping, and it's unlimited, actually. So you get two, as long as you order two medium pizzas minimum, any amount of medium pizzas after that are $7.99. You can get yourself 10 medium two-topping pizzas or more for just $7.99. Check it all out at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. And you can follow James on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. Now, James, there's a new NHL game. Now, we've seen this for the NFL. DraftKings has put this out. But for the NHL, it's new to the hockey side, the showdown game. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so you're aware of the classic DraftKings pick'em where you have a lineup of nine players that you're selecting, two centers, three wingers, two defensemen, a goaltender, and a utility slot. You have $50,000 to spend in salary cap space, and you have the entirety of the player pool to pick from that night. Well, the showdown is a different style game in a similar setup. You're taking literally a one-on-one matchup. So, for example, Colorado versus Nashville tonight. You have $50,000 to pick six players, and you can pick any players. Goaltender, forwards, defensemen, pick six players. You have to pick one player from each team, and you have $50,000 to spend Hmm. on these guys. Now, you're sitting there saying, wow, six players for $50,000. That's, you know, $8,300 a player. But the prices are different than the standard drafting uh-huh. pool. So, you know, a, a, a player like maybe a uh, Seth Jones, uh, not, sorry, not, I'm thinking when he was on Nashville, like P.K. Subban right. in, in, you know, normal DraftKings could be, you know, mid-5,000, somewhere in the 6,000. Now in the showdown, he could be somewhere in like the eight, nine, even $10,000 range. Oh, okay. Um, Pecorine could be an $8,000 goaltender in the standard DraftKings, he might be an $11,000 goaltender in, you know, the the showdown format. So the format is similar in that you're still filling out a lineup, but every single player is what they call a flex player. So you can play anybody, but because it's a smaller lineup, the salaries are increased. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really, really interesting nuance that, uh, that DraftKings is, is putting out there. And I think that for what it is, you, you know, you sit there and you say, hey, look, I think that this matchup, whatever matchup it is, it could be Columbus versus Washington. It could be Nashville against Colorado. You know, whatever the game is, if you sit there and say, hey, I think this is going to be an exciting, high-scoring game, 
I want to give this a try. So it's it's kind of just a, like we said with the pick'em style all season. It's for that player who is, you know, not 100% confident in having a full player pool to pick from to build the lineup. It kind of gives them the chance to, you know, wade their way in and kind of dip their toe in and see what it's all about. Right, and and be even more invested in that particular game that they're watching because it's the, the whole fantasy lineup right there. So, no, that's that's great, James. Absolutely. And if anybody has any fantasy questions, you can tweet James at jharding underscore hockey. Well, good stuff, buddy. Enjoy Florida next week, and hopefully we'll catch up with you the week after that. All right, sounds great, Andy. I hope to do so. That was James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. So for Sean, for Chris, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto and across the TSN radio network.